welcome to the Nerd Party. The Nerd Party's dedicated Doctor Who podcast. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm our husband and co-host, Philip Gilfus. Happy July. Happy July. We're, we're cutting it fine here. Yes. So, last day in July, which means <laughs> it's time for our... Seventh Doctor Report. That's right. So, as usual, we're going off Richard Carrier's documentary YouTube video. So, we'll post a link to that on the show page. And we encourage you to watch that for all that great information. And so launching that as a way to talk about the Seventh Doctor era, um, one thing I thought in the video that was interesting was him talking about sort of, you know, we left with the cliffhanger in his last video of Colin Baker being called by J&T, John Nathan now, Turner. Now, was that a real audio of this? No, I think that was Richard Carrier playing both parts. Oh, okay. Just like, you know, pitch meeting. Yeah, just like pitch meeting. Yes. Oh, okay, because I was like, you know, it's it's crappy to call somebody on the phone and be like, hey, we've been renewed, but not with you. When but I say it's really crappy uh -huh. to record it. When I say we've been renewed. <laughs> uh, I mean, I... <laughs> Doctor Who. Doctor Who. But I'm the Doctor. Well, <laughs> not so fast. Funny story. Right. <laughs> oh, so, so, yes. Shocking. Colin Baker fired um, on the orders of uh, BBC to, through J&T. I mean, sort of, you know, you can make the argument J&T could have made a stand, could have quit, could have done a bunch of things. But he didn't. So that, that's it. But if yeah. he had made that stand... Mm -hmm. chances are just as good that they would have been like, okay, we're not going to renew it. Yeah, axe the whole Off series. Pop. Yeah, so bigger picture, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but still a sucky way to do things. Right. And so it seemed like the way that Richard laid the table here for the beginning of this era was that, you know, we have Colin Baker being fired, and we have, you know, J&T wanting to leave Doctor Who, but not being able to. Not being allowed <laughs> yeah. to. Because basically it seemed like the head of drama programming, whatever it's called, was sort of, you know, Jane T's like, okay, I'm ready for other stuff. They're like, okay, your other stuff is not anything but Doctor Who. Yeah. Your <laughs> other stuff is to do Doctor Who with a new Doctor. You go. Yep. Go. Um, and it seemed like this time they talked about, you know, how Jane T kind of chose Colin or cast Colin Baker the last time. But this time it was going to be a cast by committee. Yes. And we no longer trust you holding, and we're in charge. Holding auditions and. Yeah, it sounds like a miserable time for everyone involved, I'll right. be honest. Because then you have, because you know, the, even the further background was you had the script editor who had left, who quit, Eric Seward, if I'm saying that incorrectly. Yes, yeah. So basically, there's just a lot of things not going well. Um, the whole thing sort of seeming like it was just burning down. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm glad they didn't, but at the time, you could have been like, people could have just been like, whatever, just call it quits. Nobody's fighting for the show. 
why are we fighting for the show? And so, but they did, but they did. And so they cast Sylvester McCoy. Yes. Interesting to see, um, it's always interesting to see the other uh, actors or the doctors, the actors who play the doctor, their background. Um, and so what would you think of sort of McCoy's bio? Yeah, a little. Insurance, not usually the typical background. Yes, um, yeah. Um, there's definitely a clip of him hammering a nail into his head. Which I think you would respect, right? I, well, yes, I do. I had a, I, I, I currently have an ex-boyfriend who still does that trick. And I probably saw him do it, I don't know, 50 times. Um, during our the course of our relationship, he didn't do it just for fun. He did he did it on stage, much like Sylvester McCoy. But I couldn't watch it um, when someone you care about very much is is hammering a nail into his head. Um, that's difficult to watch. So this might be one of the first times I've actually seen it happen to someone, and I don't think I want to see it again. Well, what you from what you told me, like there's no trick. There it's, is no trick. You're literally putting a nail. It is it is making sure that you are sending the nail into the, it, it's it's not a magic packet. nail, it's no. not a magic nose. Nose. It is sending the nail into your nasal cavity. And more than one time I have seen the aftermath when it didn't go quite right mm. and then later on, my magician ex-boyfriend would end up getting blood all over the deck of cards that he had to play with next. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things that happen. So, yeah, it's it's disconcerting to watch someone do that and know it's not a trick and know that it is just someone. It's like the sword swallowing. Sword swallowing is not a trick. They just push past that gag reflex and send that sword all the way down. And I've actually pulled a sword out of someone's body did you become queen of anything i I didn't which which was the only reason i did it in the first place right but again it's an experience because i was an audience member and they're like you just stand there with your hand on the hilt and they will back themselves away from it so you basically got the preparatory yes do not pull do not you know, don't, yeah. don't, please don't hurt our actor <laughs> who has a sword yes. down their esophagus, I assume. I don't know where it goes. The, these are tricks that I do not enjoy watching because having dealt with circus people, it's not a joke. I don't. Ugh. Circus people are not a joke. Circus <laughs> people are not a joke. <laughs> and it, they, uh, and I've... TLDR. <laughs> And I forget the name of the actor, but um, Richard, in his video, talked about another actor who was considered before Sylvester McCoy, so McCoy was considered. Um, but they both worked together, and it sort of, you know, without knowing the complete background, seemed to sort of be this sort of experimental, da-da kind of... Roundabout theater, I think yes. it was, uh-huh. uh, which is still going. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, yeah, I was quite intrigued. I was like, well, now I want to sit down and talk to Sylvester. <laughs> <laughs> and so it seems like they, 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 they wanted maybe more of a, I don't know, not eccentric. I don't know what, what they said. Something maybe just a little more funny, a little more slap. And wanted a know. bit of an unknown, I believe. Right. Um, and so... Uh, McCoy had considerable stage experience, but wasn't as television known or right. film known. So, so yeah, and so then we we get McCoy cast, and then we sort of I, I thought it was I mean very briefly, but interesting talking about you know I guess because this is always a thing you know when you cast a new doctor that's always a whole thing. 
and then the finding the quote unquote the uniform, the the costume, the look, and which I always basically took it from McCoy's closet. Yeah, I think that's always funny to me, and I say it every video. Um, how the actor has so much input, which I mean, I, I get it, but like so much input, like seventy five percent, not like twenty five. Can I move and be comfortable? This is like. No, what do you want? You yeah. know, and so I quite fancy, <coughs> right? Yeah. Although not as much because Except he didn't. Jumper. He didn't like the jumper. Yeah, he didn't want to wear the jumper with the question marks, mm-hmm. um, which I think is fair. Yeah, and I, I it's interesting because even Richard comments. But the straw hat was his. The Panama. Hat, it yes, actually yes. came out of his closet. Yes, he he during the uh, audition process, promo the during reading. the promo day, the first picture promos is just sort of you know hastily. Called press conference to announce McCoy. He just wore what he wore, and and they decided ended up to keep basically it. being the most yeah yeah because it's it's a, it's a nice costume and because you see it's always interesting with him as his profile because he's shorter of the doctors. I mean, and you know in real life, but it's interesting how he still carries everything off. Fun size, yeah. Because yes. Colin's even I would think Colin is a tall guy, um, just on his own, and so to go and I think all most of all the doctors, you know, Bill and maybe Pat seemed like they were short guys, but. John and Tom, and maybe and Peter and Colin all seemed like pretty tall. Folks. Relatively, yeah. Yeah, but um, so the way Richard described it, and it's kind of been the same way I've sort of shown or not shown you Seventh Doctor uh, serials about sort of the tale of two shows in this era that you sort of have the he didn't call it this, but this is what I'll call it the Mel era and the Ace era, mm-hmm. and so it took a while to find. <laughs> The character, which, you know, that's fine. I don't, you know, that's not a begrudging. And it's relatively common. I mean, I would absolutely divide Capaldi's seasons right. into the Clara versus the Bill. And to me, he didn't find his, you know, and I've said this before, I always feel like the dynamic between Capaldi and Clara is not brilliant. I really liked her with Matt Smith. Didn't much like her with Capaldi. Um, but then you get Capaldi and Bill, and whoosh, you know, it just fleshes out into this lovely thing. So, uh, so yeah, this he is certainly not the last Doctor to, to have this break. Yeah, and so uh, there, he had three series, and I pulled it up on the internet, so I don't know this off the top of my head. But um, so season 24, 25, and 26. Um, 24, you know, so we saw his first episode was Time and the Ronnie. Mm-hmm. And then we haven't seen the other two serials, but we've seen the, the last one was Dragonfire, which is the exit of Mel and the introduction of Ace. Mm. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. And then in 25, we have Remembrance of the Daleks, which kicked that off, which we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another few that we haven't. And then 26, the final one, and the final final, which we've seen most of, Ghost Light, Curse of Fenric, and Survival. We haven't seen battlefield i don't think but anyway um so yeah so that means not you know not a lot but that's sort of the way the era is um so yeah let's just talk about what little you know and see of sort of the doctor and mel yeah i i feel like um richard made an interesting point about how uh what's her name bonnie bonnie i was thinking Langford. Bonner, but then i was just coming up with bonnie tyler and i knew that wasn't right <laughs> um you know welsh great but not the right person uh bonnie langford had been a child actor before this playing this precocious little girl in curls almost shirley temple-esque and that the writing tended to 
mold her in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, alike, um, alike Mel, she has a fantastically piercing scream. <laughs> um, but after Perry, Mel is... More of the same, kind of. But not quite as bad. Right, right. Not quite as, oh, I tripped over my own feet right. kind of thing as Perry was wont to do. So, so after Perry, Mel is a little more refreshing, but then you get Ace and it blows it apart. So. Yeah, I think the thing with Mel, and I mean, I'm not sure this is the only challenge, but the fact that she never had an introduction. She was the companion from the Doctor's own future timeline who either never filled the yes. gaps. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, that's... Yeah, Just all of a sudden she was there. there. Pe- Perry was gone and she was there and boom, off we pop. Yeah, and so... Yeah. Not that you... I mean, in Classic Who, not necessarily do you need this backstory of the companion. But it doesn't hurt. Well, um, you don't need a massive backstory. Right. But it helps to, you know, see the interaction, have that moment. Yeah. Why is she there? Don't know if she's just here. And then what? what's she about? You know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, she was Where has she come from? Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, she wasn't... Sorry, Perry. As useless as Perry. I mean, she, you know, tended to be the one who would go investigate. You know, she doesn't... Wasn't the person who was like, I just want to go back to the TARDIS. You know, she was, she was you know, capable. Um, but not super capable. You know, she didn't necessarily have any skills, super skills, other than... I mean, they, I think they said in passing she's supposed to be a computer expert, but never really showed that. You know, so... Um, but then we get to Ace and Dragonfire <laughs> and the rest of the classic series. So, what do we think of Ace, darling? <laughs> I love Ace. Mm-hmm. I love, 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 love Ace. She's a self-rescuing princess, uh-huh. uh, which is absolutely fantastic. And I just think the chemistry, again, watching it uh, last night, she just, the chemistry between Ace and the Doctor is just so gorgeous to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked a lot about um, you know, the pseudo-romantic bent that we sometimes get, particularly with New Who. Uh, but this is, I, I mean, the the Doctor is so in moments indulgent of her. Mm-hmm. It's just this lovely, almost parental thing that we don't see again to bring it back up mm-hmm. until Bill and the Twelfth Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, having Ace sort of be this, I mean, for lack of a better word, troubled juvenile, you know, with an attitude and... And, and a history right. that gets played into. Yeah, sort of this this troubled history. I mean, nothing too crazy crazy, but still, you know, a she rough definitely patch. definitely set a house on fire. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so... You know, she, she's always bringing that, again, I, there's a better word than attitude, but I'll just use it, bringing that attitude to everything. But where, where she's also... She's Fortitude. This, Fortitude. Because yeah, she's this mix of things. She's also very, not naive, but she's very open to people. You know, hey, you're cool, I'm cool, you know, I want to get to Let's know you. Out. Yeah, yeah, young. Yeah, she's young. quite young. But then at, at other times, it's like, you know, I'm afraid because, you know, this is some greater... Thing. I don't like what this guy's about. I don't like that this person's about. They represent something. And there's either two ways she reacts to that, you know, which is how everyone reacts, a fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So she either runs away. Let's leave this place. You know, I don't want to do this. I don't, or fight of fight and hit it with a baseball bat or explode it with 
nitrogen. Nitrogen deodorant. Isn't it deodorant? No, no, it isn't a deodorant can. Yeah, it's nitro. Yeah. Nitroglycerin. Yeah. Yeah. A nitro deodorant. I love it. So, yeah, I I just think it is always intriguing to to have Ace um, in a story because it's one where you can work with that Doctor Who story because you can split them off, which is, you know, very formulaic. But then she'll make friends with whoever. And then basically, you know, maybe have her own companion for the story. Yeah, we tend, particularly with Perry, but also a little bit with Mel, they split off, mm-hmm. but then inevitably get into bloody trouble. Right. And, and Ace is not, I mean, she does sometimes, but she's also going to, like I say, she's a self-saving princess. She's a self-rescuing princess. And, and again... The doctor, the seventh doctor with her, is so indulgent. I mm-hmm. mean, he just has so much fondness for her um, in a way that Capaldi doesn't necessarily have for Bill, which just changes the dynamic. It's right. not good, bad, but it just changes that dynamic. And uh, But he does. He just has this softness for her. And, you know, she does clever things, and he knows she's going to do clever things. And then she does stupid things, and he just sort of, you know, oh, puppet. You know, <laughs> it's just, oh, it's so much fun to watch. I just, it's, it, they are pretty close to some of my favorite combo. Yeah, and I think when we were watching Ghostlight, it, it was sort of, um, a joke after a while, but the doctor's sort of catchphrase was, I'm the doctor, this is my friend Ace. It's like even when, like, this, you know, huge monster was appearing for the first time, I was like, I'm the doctor, this is my friend Ace, you know. And the, <laughs> and the, but that's sort of the, you know, the introduction. I'm the doctor, and this is my friend Ace here, you know. It's not my, you know, my companion or my assistant or whatever. And, you know, this is... Um, yeah, and I think the Ace is very interesting to watch because then when you remember, it's like 1988 or 89... Um, which I can only see from a, an American perspective, but I'm sure that, you know, even culturally British, you know, the, when we were watching Ghostlight, just to pick another moment, when she puts on the tuxedo instead of the dress. Yes, you know. yes, and then insists one of the ladies-in-waiting or whatever also put on a tuxedo. <laughs> I know, because I was about to be like, do they have, I think they have a romance in this episode? Which, you know, is fine, but I, I didn't know that was in Classic Who. Um, but I think that's, again, that's that's something you can read from Ace, or not read from Ace, I suppose. Um, yeah, no, I think it's dealer's choice. Yeah. You know, there is nothing explicit about her sexuality, mm-hmm. but there certainly is about her dress choice. Yes. And you do you, boo. Yeah, and so I think that she, she definitely, um, I was to say subvert expectations, but, you know, just the tropey expectations of yes. what a woman or a young Subverts lady is supposed the to be. Trope. Yeah, but she's is definitely. And not just the, the trope of what a general girl is mm-hmm. supposed to be, but also the trope of what the companion's supposed to be. Right. Yeah. And then um, moving sort of just to the seventh doctor in general. I mean, we talked about McCoy. What do you think of the this doctor in particular? What's his characteristics that you think that make him different? Because um, he sort of has this. Uh, I'm sort of rereading Chamber of Secrets here in Harry Potter. He sort of has this Slytherin element where he is... Oh, God. Um, <laughs> You're putting him in your house? <laughs> well, I think, you But know, I would agree. Yeah, because he is, he's a... Uh, well, I'm trying to think of a more positive word than conniver, but he's a conniver. He he uh, he wants to manipulate, but, in, you know, with noble intention. So, like, for instance, just talking about Ace, you know, he knows her background, and he's trying to make her face her fears, force her to face her fears. So whether it's... Um, Ghostlight with this, you know, haunted mansion that she burned down. Whether it's with her mom mm-hmm. in uh, 
the curse of Fenric, you know, and whether it's anything, it's, you know, forcing Ace to, to I wouldn't say grow up, but just sort of deal with things. Face things. Yeah, don't yeah. ignore things, yeah. basically. And I was initially going to say Sly. Right. But then, because I didn't like Sly, because that Sly seems Buster more, McCoy. well, I'm going with, yeah. wait for it, mm-hmm. he's very coy. Uh-huh. He knows what's going on, but he plays it off quite playfully. Right. And like you say, not in a... Because Sly suggests he's doing it for nefarious purposes. Mm -hmm. And it is more altruistic than that. But he definitely always knows more than he's saying. Right. Because then when you have Remembrance of the Daleks, which kind of messes up the timeline, but ignoring that for a moment... You know, where he had the eye of Omega, or Omega, as your choice may be. Um, mileage may vary. Uh, you know, where he was plotting of where to put that, and the Daleks and all that stuff. And so, and has already made those arrangements. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that wasn't him making the arrangements. Right. It was the previous... Yes, Doctor. Incarnation. Yes. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then also, with McCoy's style, I was thinking about this. In some ways... It's over the top, but it's not, you know, because there's, he's almost, um, theatrical, which you think would not always work on TV because I think, you know, you have, again, comparing to the previous doctors, I mean, almost all of them, you know, um, I'll go with, start with Tom Baker. So four, five, six, you know, Tom, the Bakers and Davidson, they sort of have, can have their dramatic moments, but they're, you know, it's sort of acted like a TV actor, whereas McCoy will, will, you're the one, he's the doctor you want to give a speech to in the classic era. Mm. You know, I mean, for... McCoy has flair. And he'll, you know, he'll talk about it and he'll have big hands and all that. And then you're like, it's almost over the top, but it's not because he, you can Was tell where it's Capaldi coming. Was that doing McCoy? <laughs> but you can almost tell where it's coming from. Well, maybe it's a Scottish thing. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I tend to think of it, I mean, obviously all of our guys have come from theatrical backgrounds. Mm. Um... In fact, possibly the doctor with the least theater background is Matt Smith. That sort of flair for finding your emphasis. And, yeah, McCoy has it. And and maybe it's an age versus theater thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure at what point he became the doctor, how old he was. Mm-hmm. But his primary... He had been doing theater up until then, mm-hmm. mostly. And so... You know, that's ingrained in your soul. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, like I said, he's, he's, uh, there's a video of him doing Matt Smith's speech from the Pandorica, and he does it great. I mean, because, again, I, I think he just has that, you know, whether it's a Capaldi or a Matt Smith. Um, cause I don't know whether Tennant ever had a really good speech moment, or even Chris Eccleston. But, like, McCoy, I think, is as a doctor you can give a big old speech to, and he'll he'll nail it down with that passion. Yeah. I mean, Eccleston's final, right before regeneration, uh-huh. I was fantastic, or whatever it is that he says. It's mm-hmm. a really lovely moment. I'll have to think about Tennant. Sure. But Tennant's just fun to watch. Yeah. So any uh, episodes or moments from the Seventh Doctor era you want to... I mean, there were cat people. Yeah, survival. I distinctly remember cat people. Yeah, the last episode ever of Classic Who. Yep. Yep. I think from what based on what I've seen, the Dalek episode is probably my favorite because I think it touches on some really fantastic themes. Mm-hmm. Some interesting uh fan service without being overly so. 
you know, we go back to 63, when we yeah. first saw the Doctor. Yeah, and I think that's Cole the Hill. other thing I like about it, this yeah. little tying of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the thematic, hey, let's just remember that A, Nazis are bad, and B, that sort of mindset still exists, so we need to be vigilant. Right. And so it's a, an episode that doesn't age. Right. Unfortunately. Um, and also Ace, pick your love interests better. But it's Ace. She's not going to do that. And she beats the hell out of a Dalek with a baseball bat. Yes. In a car park. It's I know. fantastic. I don't see many uh, companions who do that. No. <laughs> we should see more, but this is a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has your companion attacked a Dalek? No. Well, how great are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, might be time for a change, mate. <laughs> So, this is, of course, was the end of the era. Um, Doctor Who got the axe, and that was it. There was really no goodbye, because they had already filmed everything. When Although they do a speech. Yeah, they, they, they write for Sylvester McCoy a speech that they do over the last episode, right. once they knew that they had been canceled. And ironically, he recorded it on... November 23rd, 1989. So the anniversary of well Doctor Kennedy's death. <laughs> yes, so. you know it's depending on what what you observe, depending on how you were brought up. <laughs> yeah, well, American versus British. Right, you know, yeah. we observe it as the day Kennedy died. Britons res, uh, observe it as the day Doctor Who premiered. Right. It's really, literally a tomato tomato. It's like how we celebrate thing. Thanksgiving in November, and they don't at all. <laughs> Much like that, it is right. exactly like. You were so clever. Similar darling. to the July 4th. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they still have it, so that's good. Yes. But. Yeah. Yep. They definitely, every year, they have a July 4th. Yep. <laughs> so this actually, of course, isn't the end, even though, you know, with the video we saw, that's not the end of the seventh Doctor. Um, of course, we see him in the Doctor Who movie uh, in 1996, and we see his final voyage. I know it's been a while, what you remember. Uh, what do you remember of sort of the seventh ending? Nout. All right. Well, I, I just say, I mean, whatever. We all bag in the movie, and I'm not going to just, you know, whatever. But I will say, as far as the seventh Doctor, I think it doesn't do well by him. But whatever. It's the eighth Doctor's movie, so whatever. What can you do? But, oh, you mean him getting shot? Yes. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about it like a multiple Doctor movie that I completely had blanked out of my head. No. Oh, no. Him getting shot. I mean, that, yeah, sucks. So look, Sylvester McCoy, the Seventh Doctor's back. Yeah, and that's literally the amount of time he has. Yeah, and um, I mean it's very. In- I don't know the word I'm looking for. It's just not great. Um, no, but it's certainly better than the six to seven transformation. Well, that's true. Let's be honest. It wasn't Paul McGann in a you know Panama hat pretending to get shot. <laughs> exactly. So I guess. When did the Seventh Doctor get so tall? <laughs> um, <laughs> Those luxurious locks. I do not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a, an improvement over the previous regeneration. So I'm going to take it as a win. But I think he is the only doctor. You know, I say you know, was was I think about every, but he doesn't get a goodbye regeneration. Like in other words, there's no, you know, oh Ace, I'm thinking about Ace, or I'm thinking about whatever. It's just sort of Six like. Doctor doesn't get one either. Well, that's true. You're right. You're right. That's true. Again, I think that's he true. gets the out of the two. That's right. You got the better. You got, he the, got the, the, the better movie. deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> TV movie, be it, but still. <laughs> hey, 
Paychecks, paycheck, yo. Yeah. And so he's sort of, uh, and we'll watch it again here, on, on, you know, fortunately slash unfortunately again. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he's sort of in a slightly different thing, new TARDIS. And it is interesting that, because I remember watching it in my memory, I'm like, oh, he gets shot and that's stupid. But it's true, but he doesn't, that's not what he dies. He dies of doctors not knowing what to do with the two hearts. Yes. And he tries to tell them and it doesn't work out. So, um, yeah, and then we get his Frankensteiner generation. So, um, but yeah, yeah, so not not the greatest. Lord Byron slash Buffalo Bill exactly. regeneration, I think is what it is. So, any final thoughts on the Seventh Doctor and his era? No, I, I, I enjoy him. He, he, in my mind, he's one of my favorites. He's absolutely my favorite um, classic Doctor. Well, with that, we'll go into the TARDIS library. Whoosh, 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 whoosh. When you close your eyes. I go to the library. Go to the library now. Well, for this one, we're doing a book report by Philip, as always. And this is a book that I believe you got me uh, for a birthday or Christmas. I can't remember what. But uh, Doctor Who, A History of Humankind, The Doctor's Official Guide. And would you like to read the back of the book? I would love to read the back of the book. Yes, it's a 12th Doctor book, if that helps your tone. Robin Hood was just made up. Queen Elizabeth I never married. And nobody knows what happened to Jack the Ripper, right? Wrong. If you want to know the real story of human history, then this is the book for you. The Doctor has corrected this Coal Hill School history textbook with his own notes and illustrations, now packed full of real history, i.e. the kind with Daleks and Silurians and time travel. It tells you everything you need to know about our very special planet. It's history, but perhaps not quite as you know it. So yeah, it's it's a kind of an interesting thing because I, I hadn't cracked it open before, so I didn't know what to expect. But it's sort of the premise. I got this for you for Christmas, and you're just now cracking it open. Yes. <sighs> Do you want me to point to the David Tennant Hamlet's DVD I got you? <laughs> Because um, we can do this now. Um, I'm sorry I watched Broad Church without you. <laughs> I'm even sorry you wrecked my truck. Yes. We keep tallies here in this marriage. <laughs> we have a chalkboard. Yep. So, uh, yeah, so the premise is that it's sort of a children's history book or young adult's history book. And that the doctor has, the 12th doctor, has sort of uh, papered over sometimes literally and written the correct history of things. And so has the little... Um, you oh, know, pretend cute. library checkout at the front yeah. part, but yeah, I thought it was interesting because it sort of reads like a you know a history book would, and you know that you'd give to like a a ten year old or maybe even younger, but elementary school or whatever the British equivalent is, and um, with a simplistic like oh this is what the Romans were and this is but then sort of you have the doctor like well this is what really happened and it's all of course references to the doctor's adventures throughout history, and. Um, it, and it's mostly sort of, to me, heavily bookended because I guess the – not the problem, but the challenges with the historicals, they are certainly weighted in the two directions. In other words, first and second doctor and then like new who. You know, there's not a lot of the sixth doctor, you know, or fifth doctor historicals. Now, there are some appearances, you know, um, the fifth doctor playing cricket, uh, but all that. But for the most part, it's it's one, two or like 11, 12. Mm. <laughs> um, we know, of course, you know, they'll have like uh, – the Ninth Doctor during the um, Battle of Britain, and they'll have Tenth Doctor with Elizabeth the First. But it is that's just what it goes through, and so, so of course it's very funny because it's both. This, I think my favorite parts are sort of when the the margins he makes on the sides. My less favorite parts, which is fine, but they're sort of like more like 
uh, episode summaries. So it's like, oh, this is what happened. But, oh, here, I'll, I'll tape this on the next page. It just gives you, this is the episode summary of that episode that I'm referring to. I'm like, yeah, no, I saw it. It's fine. Um, so, but it's, it's, it's interesting. So, yeah, it's, it's sort of a, a definitely a fun read. Um, if you're looking for a nice Doctor Who gift or something to enjoy yourself, it's, it's um, definitely fun. Cool. Yeah. So now I want to sit and read it. Yeah. Like I said, it's sort of a it's kind of a coffee table book of Doctor Who, if you if you will. Well, until next week, uh, enjoy reading, watching, and listening to the Doctor's adventures throughout time, time and, and space. This is BBC Television.